From WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR, this is Capital Notes, a podcast about Wisconsin politics and politicians. I'm Marty Michelson. Each week, I discuss noteworthy developments with J.R. Ross, editor of WISPolitics.com. Here's our latest conversation. Hey, J.R., the results of the Wisconsin Supreme Court race were resolved last week when Judge Lisa Neubauer, who was backed by Democrats, conceded to conservative Judge Brian Hagedorn. Only a half percentage point was separating the two, and Neubauer was thinking of asking for a recount. She now says an official canvas of the vote wouldn't have measurably changed the outcome. So what will the new court look like after Hagedorn is sworn in? Right now, the court has got a 4-3 conservative majority. Uh, Hagedorn replaces longtime liberal justice Shirley Abramson. That means it goes to a 5-2 majority. And it also give, gives conservatives breathing room for next year's race. And why that's important, you know, there's a couple of reasons. One, uh, conservative justice Daniel Kelly is up for election, or retention, I should say, in April of 2020. It also happens to be the same day that Democrats, we expect, will have a contested primary for president. So that will be a difficult environment for him. So even if that race goes poorly for conservatives, they will maintain the majority at least until 2023. Now, the implications of that majority in the near term are things like Republicans will talk about the things that they approved with Scott Walker during the eight years that Walker was governor. Act 10, voting, uh, voter ID, those kinds of things. They feel like those will withstand scrutiny by the state court system because the state Supreme Court is the ultimate arbiter and all about state laws, and that court's going to have a conservative majority. They feel good about that. Also last week, a Wisconsin appeals court ruled that Governor Evers had the authority to withdraw appointments that had been approved during a lame duck legislative session in December that courts have found was held illegally. Evers voided 82 appointments during that session, then later reinstated 67 of them. So what is the status of these appointments, and what happens to the 67 who were reinstated? Well, it's interesting. So the 67 reinstated, but, or I should say Evers reappointed them, but Senate Majority Scott Fitzgerald refused to accept those appointments because he says the 82 original ones are still in place. Ergo, he's not going to go do anything that would um, confirm people he thinks are already on the job. So there's that piece of it. What's interesting is um, the Republican lawmakers who are seeking to restore all, the, all these appointments went to the Third District Court of Appeals in Wausau. That court rejected that request, saying essentially that Evers acted within a window when that Dane County ruling was in effect that said those appointments were all null and void. Republicans argued that the stay the appeals court issued of that lower court ruling meant the appointments were back in place. The court said, no, that's not the case. And they can't make their stay retroactive, which would then void Evers' actions. Now, a couple of things to watch. One, Republicans have already asked the state Supreme Court to take this issue up. Uh, in fact, they urged the justices to issue an immediate ruling that, in their words, you know, are paraphrasing their words, Evers' actions were so egregious that they needed an answer right now. The court instead said, no, we're going to hear from everybody involved in this before we make any kind of decisions about that. So watch that piece. And that's just on the stay and whether that stay means the appointments are back in place. There's also the, uh, also all the merits of the case. And nobody's really, besides the Dane County judge, nobody has weighed in yet on the merits of the case in terms of a decision. So once the merits are discussed, the, and the third court of appeals mentioned this and it's the ruling, those judges will then have the opportunity to review that case and whether those appointments should be restored. 
Meanwhile, Republicans who control the legislature said this last week they'll hold off on confirming Evers' cabinet picks while the legal battle over the lame duck session continues. GOP leaders have indicated they'll appeal the latest ruling regarding the rescinded appointments to the state Supreme Court. Many of Evers' cabinet picks are still up in the air. Do you think the GOP will make good on its promise, and what impact might that have on the state? You know, when I've been asking people about that possibility, you know, you got to look at the makeup of the Senate and what it might mean, because what Scott Fitzgerald, the majority leader, talked about was that there are several members of his caucus that really want to send a message to Evers about how angry they are about this whole thing by rejecting some of his cabinet picks. Now, here's the thing. The Senate right now has got 19 Republicans and 14 Democrats. If you put any Evers cabinet pick on the floor of the Senate, you almost surely get the 14 Democrats to support it, right? You just need three Republicans in for, to confirm that person. The question people have is, are Republicans unified on this issue that all 19 members, or at least six, you know 17 of them, would vote to reject um, that pick? There's a thought that there are some more moderate members of the caucus that really don't want to go this route because, you know, you're rejecting the governor's cabinet, people that he wants to serve uh, in, his, in his administration. You're rejecting that. It seems a, a fairly partisan move. So how would it impact relations in the Capitol doing this? So there's a kind of an open question about whether you'd really see anybody be rejected on the floor if they put it to a true test and just let everybody vote the way they wanted to. Now, here's the thing, though. Republicans are very unhappy about the way this is playing out, in part because they have a personal relationship with people like Ellen Novak, that, that PSC commissioner, uh, former DOA secretary. She is a former aide to Republicans in the Capitol. She's known these folks for a long time. They were incensed when, after the initial stay was issued by the appeals court, that Novak tried to go to work the next day and was turned away, and they felt she was she's been treated shabbily by the Evers administration. So there's that pent-up uh, desire to send a message I just don't know if this is going to be the route that ends up they end up going when it comes to this stuff. And finally, the legislature held one floor session last week, and it turns out it's the only one that lawmakers are going to hold for the month. They listened to the State of the Tribes address, then took up bills that would eliminate offensive language from state rules, along with resolutions honoring the Brewers, and proclaiming April as Donate Life Month, Kidney Month, and Women's History Month. Also, if you look at the schedule of floor periods for the entire two-year session, the docket is very light. Is it unusual, even during budget time, for these agendas and floor period schedules to be so light? Uh, yeah, uh, we went back and looked and compared it past years. Lawmakers are proposing as many bills as they normally do. They're just not passing as many, and part of it is because there's a new dynamic, okay? For the past eight years, you've had Republicans for the most part, in control of both houses of the legislature and the governor's office. So if you're a Republican lawmaker, A, and you want to get a bill done, you draft the bill, you might talk to leadership in your house and say, hey, here's my idea. You get the okay from those folks. Talk to the assembly, make sure they're on board, or the other Senate, the other chamber, whatever, whatever it is. Go to the governor's people and say, hey, we are good. Everybody's on board. Bill goes through easy. Well, now it's a new dynamic. Now you have to ask, okay, can I get now the other house on board, but what about the governor? And if you haven't noticed, the governor and lawmakers, Republican lawmakers, aren't on the same page right now. So people don't see a whole lot of room for compromise. Then the question becomes, okay, if there are these these controversial bills, uh, let's you know pick your hot button topic, right? GOP leaders will tell you that 
you know, is it worth the fight right now to try and put a bill like that through the house, either house, put your colleagues in a difficult position if they're from a swing district on that issue, only to know that Evers will veto it. You know, I mean, obviously there are some things that, you know, on principle Republicans want to do. But again, is it worth the fight if you're not going to get the bill done? So I think there's there's a feeling out period going on right now. They're trying to say, okay, what's this new dynamic like? How do we work together? Can we work together at this point? And uh, the early evidence so far is that they're not really doing a whole lot in working together. So it might be a long, tough slot to get a lot of bills done in the session. That's WISPolitics.com editor J.R. Ross. You can join us each week for our conversations. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to Capital Notes on iTunes, NPR One, or wherever you get your podcasts.